strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Hi and welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Robin. And I'm Jen. And tonight I am going to talk about the Night Witches. Well, you know what? Yes. Please do, Robin. I have no idea what this is about, but (laughs) I am fucking pumped. He's like, what you call me? Please call me a night witch all day and night. <laughs> that was so dumb. No. <laughs> I, hate, I hate everything about what I just said. Let's move on. So please, please, please. It was the spring of 1943, the height of World War II. They flew under the cover of darkness in bare bone plywood biplanes. They braved the bullets and the frostbite while in the air, while also battling skepticism and sexual harassment on the ground. They were feared and hated so much by the Nazis that any German airman who downed one was automatically awarded the prestigious Iron Cross Medal. These pilots were the Night Witches. The Night Witches were an all-female 588th Night Bomber Regiment that dropped more than 23,000 tons of bombs on Nazi targets. And in doing so, they became a crucial Soviet asset in winning World War II. These young heroines, all volunteers, and most in their teens and early 20s, became legends of World War II, but are now forgotten. The Germans nicknamed them Nachtessen, or Night Witches, because the whooping of their wooden planes resembled the same whooshing sound of a sweeping broom. A screenwriter named Steve Prowse, who wrote The Night Witches, said that this sound was the only warning the Germans had. The planes were too small to show up on the radar and never used radios, so radio locations couldn't pick them up either, and so they were just basically ghosts flying in the air. Oh, yeah, because you said they're wooden planes. Wooden planes. So while women have previously been barred from combat, the pressure of an enemy gave Soviet leaders a reason to rethink the policy of women in combat. Adolf Hitler launched Operation Barbarossa, his massive invasion of the Soviet Union in June of 1941. By the fall, the Germans were pressing towards Moscow, Leningrad was under siege, and the Red Army was struggling. So all in all, the Soviets were desperate. So let's get into a little bit of the woman who led the charge. The squadron was the brainchild of Marina Roskova, known as the Soviet Amelia Earhart, since she was famous not only as the first female navigator in the Soviet Air Force, but because of her long-distance flight records. She had been receiving letters from women all over the country wanting to join World War II effort. While they had been allowed to participate in support roles, there were many who wanted to be gunners and pilots and fighting on their own in a plane made of wood and canvas. I mean, yes, because support roles suck. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be the star of the show, right? These women wanted to volunteer yeah. to... To shoot Nazis. Be put in something that was basically a piece of cardboard. Yeah, it's like a soapbox derby car. Yeah. Yeah. In the air to fight for the country. Yeah. Yeah. To shoot Nazis. To shoot Nazis. And bomb Nazis. So many of these women lost brothers and sweethearts and had seen their homes and villages ravaged. Seeing the opportunity, Roskova petitioned Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin to let her form an all-female fighting squadron. On October 8th of 1941, Stalin gave orders to deploy three all-female Air Force units. The women would not only fly missions and drop bombs, but they would also even return fire and make the Soviet Union the first nation to officially allow women to engage in combat. That is shocking. 1941. Give me a fucking gun. 
But I mean, to have it be the Soviet Union to be the first, it's just, it's shocking to me. By Stalin, no less. I know. (laughs) All of this feels shocking. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Trying like, to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to <laughs> podcasts on. Yeah, podcast, your, homecasts. Your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. Previously, women could help transfer planes and ammunition, after which the men would then take over. So this whole regiment changed everything. Raskova quickly started to fill her teams. From more than 2,000 applications, she selected 400 women for each of her three units. Most were students ranging about 17 years old to 26. Those selected moved to Engels, a small town in Stalingrad, to begin their training at the Engels School of Aviation. They underwent a highly compressed education, expected to learn in a few months what it took most soldiers several years to grasp. Let a woman do it. She will learn it fast. I mean, three months equals seven years of of education. It's like, it was was insane. Yeah, And I mean, in the United States, the women who flew planes were really only allowed to do the transports. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So each recruit had to train and perform as pilots navigators, maintenance, and ground crew. They had to learn all of that. You have to know all the jobs. All the jobs. You have to be the race car driver and the pit crew. Mm-hmm. And you have to draw the map. Yep. And and the scout. Yeah. Yeah. So the women also faced skepticism from some of the male military personnel who believed that they added no value to the war effort I imagine there was a significant amount of side-eye. Absolutely. Raskova did her best to prepare these women for these certain attitudes, but they were still faced with sexual harassment, long nights, and grueling conditions. The men, they didn't like the women going to the front line. They figured it was a man's thing. So I'm going to get a little into the preparation. (laughs) You're prepared to drink that wine preparation of this wine drinking we okay. want cab franc to be good it just is weird you know it is good this one not so much so the military having no idea what to do with women pilots offered them meager resources flyers received hand-me-down uniforms including oversized boots they had to stuff their shoes with pieces of cloth that they got from tearing up the sheets on their bed their equipment wasn't much better the military provided them with outdated poly. Karpov Po-2 biplanes, basically 1920s crop dusters that had been used as training planes and had a canvas top. These light two-seater open cockpit planes were never meant for combat. It was described as a coffin with wings. 
The plane had no protection from the elements in flying at night. These women suffered through freezing temperatures, wind, frostbite, and in the harsh Soviet winters, the planes became so cold that just touching them would rip off bare skin. So now I understand a little bit more, and um, it makes sense. Okay. So before I was like, oh my goodness, it seems very surprising that the Soviet Union allowed women to be the first. And it's like, they're like, well, well, you can die if you'd like one less mouth to feed. Here's a plane that barely works. Um, You're going to do nothing but suffer. We're going to give you zero supplies. And your skin might rip off. And I mean, best case scenario, you kill some Nazis. Worst case scenario, just a dead woman. Yeah. Yep. That's that's essentially how I'm feeling yeah. about this. Okay, they, they hand me down uniforms, oversized boots. They couldn't even freaking walk in their shoes. I mean, but you know, the U.S. did no. not do much better. I know, but with still. their females, they didn't allow them to go into combat at all. Mm-hmm. They flew planes that were had just been repaired, typically. Yeah, the, the, like the guinea pigs. Yeah, so they were essentially the guinea pigs, and they wore hand me down clothing. Yeah, and then but then they were able to go back home. These women, yes. If it's Soviet in the Soviet Union, their winters are so harsh, their planes got so cold that it would rip off their flesh. Yeah, it's cold in Russia. I know, like legit cold, mm-hmm. like really, really cold. So they had no protection from the elements whatsoever, and they're actually in active duty. Yeah. So they are wherever they are. Yeah, it's open not cockpits. Like- they're like we're flying. Let's go. Let's do this. So the plane had. Both a weight limit. Oh, Lord. Not a weight limit. The plane had both a weight limit and the military's limited funds. So that lacked the other luxuries that male planes enjoyed. Instead of parachutes, which were too heavy to carry, radar, guns, and radios, they were forced to use more basic tools such as rulers, stopwatches, flashlights, pencils, maps, and compasses. They did not have any parachutes. But there were some good things that came with their older aircrafts. Their maximum speed was slower than the stall speed of a Nazi plane, which meant that these wooden planes, ironically, could maneuver faster than the enemy, making them a hard target. They also could easily take off and land pretty much anywhere. The downside, when approaching enemy fire, pilots had to duck by sending their planes into dives since their cockpits were open and they had the protection of canvas. If they were hit by tracer bullets, which have a pyrotechnic charge, their planes would burst into flames. These planes could also carry two bombs, one under each wing. In order to make some dents in the German front lines, the regiment sent out 42-person crews a night. Each would execute between 8 to 18 missions a night, flying back and forth to rearm. The weight of the bombs forced them to fly at lower altitudes, making them a very easy target, which is why their missions were mainly done at night, hence the night witches. The planes, having two occupants, one pilot up front and a navigator in the back, traveled in packs. The first planes would go in as a belt, attracting the Germans, which provided a much-needed illumination. These planes, which had no ammunition, would release a flare to light up the target. The last plane in the belt would idle its engines and glide into the darkness to bomb the area. It was this stealth method that created their signature, which is broom sound, from where they got their name. They were smart. Yeah, I mean, they... They were so fucking smart. ...had so little to work with, but it seems like they found a way to be incredibly effective. They were, they were awesome. So their last flight was on May 4th of 1945, when the Night Witches flew within a 37 miles of Berlin. 
Three days later, Germany surrendered. The Germans had two theories about why these women were so successful. First, they were criminals who were masters at stealing and had been sent to the front lines as punishment. Or second, they had been given special injections that allowed them to see in the dark. (laughs) That's why they were so, so advanced. So that's, that was the German theory. Gotcha. It wasn't. They were so successful. It was because they were just super ballsy and so low tech. Oh, no. Oh, no. They were. Oh, no. They were harsh criminals, you know, that did this as punishment. And then the other ones, they were injected with some special serum that made them see in the dark. Uh, Owl's blood. Maybe. Ooh, there you go. Right. So at the end of the day, these daredevil heroines flew more than 30,000 missions in total, about 800 per pilot and navigator. They lost a total of 30 pilots, and 24 of the flyers were awarded the title of Hero of the Soviet Union. Raskova, known as the mother of the movement, died on January 4th, 1943, when she was sent to the front line. Her plane never made it. She was given the very first state funeral of World War II, and her ashes were buried in the Kremlin. The Kremlin, or Moscow Kremlin, is a fortified complex in the center of Moscow, overlooking the Moskova River to the south. It is a symbol of Soviet power and authority and is an enormous gesture that she would be buried there. Yeah, that's a huge deal. I mean, that's where all major military and political leaders for, you know, centuries have been buried. She was, she's there. Despite being the highly decorated unit in the Soviet Air Force during the war, the Night Witches Regiment was disbanded six months after the end of World War II. When it came to the big Victory Day parade in Moscow, they were not included because it was decided that their planes were too slow or it was because the military was not ready to show off women as war heroes. But who knows? Who knows the real reason? But they were disbanded and they were never really talked about. Yeah, I've never heard of them. I mean, I do. I think, honestly, they just couldn't admit that women had played such a pivotal role in their success it certainly wasn't because their planes were so slow right no. because if anything that should show that that's a great for a parade <laughs> despite their planes being so slow despite all of the mm-hmm. ways that they were not outfitted properly that they went forward and were able to do this much damage and were so incredibly feared that they were believed to be like a genetically altered female night vision super soldier yep. which is a great like it's just so so cool um but i just i i don't think that i think they allowed them because Honestly, I, I do believe that they the thought process was, we'll give them as little as possible, and if they help, they help. If they die, they die. And they end up being the heroes. 23,000 tons of bombs that they dropped on their missions. Yeah. 30,000 missions. Ah. Impressive. So that is the story of the Night Witches, the Soviet women heroes of war. Just another notorious narrative. If you enjoy our episodes, you can also go to patreon.com slash notorious narratives, where you can access exclusive content. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to be notified when a new episode is available. Keep it weird and never stop exploring.